This is our Connect Sunday. It's a little bit of a different Sunday because today we're really focusing in on our heart for community and what we believe God has called us to be as a church and as a community and as individuals, as individual parts of Christ's body that lock into and get engaged with the purpose and the plans of God for our lives. And um, so it's Connect Sunday and we're going to be talking a little bit about God's will for us as a community And over the last few weeks, we've really been on this journey where God has been sharing so much with us. We feel like He's really been speaking to us about the kind of life that we are all called to, a kind of life that is more than just the ordinary, that's more than just going through the motions, that's more than just making sure we get done whatever we normally feel we need to get done, and just kind of getting to the end of our lives and realizing I haven't really been involved or a part of or given myself to anything that really matters. I haven't really stuck it out. And, and, and pursued the reason why Christ has pursued me. And that's not what we want for our church. We want to be so aware of the call of God in our lives and the things that God has for each one of us. We want to be living life with this great awareness of the calling that God has for us. Today, I'd like you to open up your Bibles at Romans chapter number 8. Um, again, wanted to remind you that we're going to be starting a series through the book of Romans uh, on the 26th of February. Um, we're going to be starting Romans, and we're going to work through this book, and it's just going to bless you. It's going to help you to see the gospel. It's going to help you to understand what God has really called us to. It's going to help you understand what the gospel is really all about. And so we want to encourage you to, if you don't have a Bible, get a Bible and uh, get a notepad and get you know, get ready to really get stuck in and to have God speak to you personally and individually. So Romans 8 verse 15, it just says this. It says, for we, do not, we did not receive the spirit of slavery or back into fear again. We haven't received a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, sons and daughters, children of God. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. We cry out, Abba, Father. Hebrews 10, I also want to read to you in Hebrews, from Hebrews 10 and verse 23. If you have your Bibles, you can just uh, flip over to Hebrews 10 and verse 23. I'm just going to read these, these two verses here. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us not neglect meeting together, but let us come together and encourage one another all the more as we see the day drawing near. I'm going to go ahead and pray for us this morning, and then I'd like to share this message with you entitled, Stir It Up. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you so much today um, that you're the one that's preaching, God. We thank you that we can hear your word, Lord, and by revelation of the Holy Spirit, by how you speak to our hearts, not just to our minds, we can begin to grasp the truths um, that, that, that would solidify us in, in truth, Lord God, that bring us to a place where we can know you, where we can live lives that are, that are in accordance with your truth, God, that are fixed on your grace, Lord God, that stand in the righteousness that we have in you. We just thank you so much, Jesus, for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for this community, and we thank you for everything that you are preparing us for. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen.
So every um, afternoon, I have this dad duty. If you're parents, you'll know that you have different duties that are sometimes duties you never thought that you would have had. As a single person, you know, when, when single people tell me they're tired, you know, I just chuckle on the inside. with like, you know nothing. You, you haven't experienced tiredness and chaos and, and, and a hectic schedule until you've had some offspring of your own. You know, uh, you know, your house. I saw somebody once say that my house is ruled by a tiny army that I created myself. And... Um, and so we, our lives are sometimes dominated um, by the chaos of kids. And if you have kids, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But for me, one of the coolest parts of every day, um, one of the coolest parts of my dad duties that I have is going to pick my kids up at school um, every afternoon. Um, so every afternoon, I'll drive up to the school, and, um, and, and I walk into the class. And why I love it, why it's so cool for me to do this, is because without fail, when my boys see me, they drop absolutely everything that they're doing, and they shout, Dad! And they just run over to me. And I've got twin boys that I normally collect at the same time, because it would be weird if I picked up one and then another one later. Um, but I, I go up to them, and then, and then they, they, they both come running, and they both jump, and I've got to try and catch both of them at the same time. And uh, it's just this, it doesn't matter what they're doing, they're just always so excited to see dad coming to fetch them. And, and I love that. The other day I walked into the class and the teacher had asked Leo to hand out some biscuits and he was walking along doing it so nicely, like handing out the biscuits. And then Jude saw me and he shouted, Dad! And Leo just dropped the biscuits. It was like, who cares about these biscuits? Who cares whether or not you get your sugar high that you're looking for? I'm, I'm going after my dad. And, and they would just come running and jump into my arms and they get so excited whenever they see me. And, um, and, and I really know and I believe it's because they trust how I feel about them. When they see their dad, they see somebody that, that they love to be with. They see somebody that cares for them. They see somebody that, that, that loves them. And so there's this trust that I have between my boys and I. And, and uh, when I, I'm putting in the car, um, sometimes Leo asks me, where are you taking us, dad? Like he's already in the car. He's already committed to wherever it is that I have decided to take him. But he'll still say, where are you taking us? Are we going to Oma's house? Are we going to the shops? Are we going home? Like, where are you taking us? And they kind of just are happy to go wherever I want to take them. Um, and this is just something that's, that's um, you know, special to me and, 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 and something that I love about being a dad. And so as I was reading through the book of Romans, just in preparation for our series that's coming up, I saw this verse again that I read in Romans 8 verse 15. And it really spoke to me. And, and this image of picking my boys up from school just came back to me. And this verse is honestly one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Romans 8 verse 15 is such a critical verse for me because it expresses the kind of relationship that we have with God. People think that a relationship with God looks like a moral code or a relationship with God looks like sorting yourself out or a relationship with God uh, means doing certain Christian duties. But a relationship with God at its, at its core, at its heart, the essence of it, is shouting, Dad, and jumping into his arms. That's the essence of the relationship that we have with God. That's what this verse says. It says that when we come to God, we haven't, we haven't signed on the dotted line and promised to try our best to be better, but that we've received a spirit, that we've received a spirit by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Not a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. And so it just expresses so clearly that when we come to God, 
It's this moment of recognition that this is someone who loves us, who died for us, who cares about us, someone who we can trust, which is really what faith is. Faith is trust. We trust this God. We trust His Word. We trust that what He has done for us is true. And we trust that there is no longer anything separating us from Him. There's no longer anything that stands between us walking with him and learning from him and being comforted by him and, and, and growing in his word and growing in his truth and taking a hold of everything that he has for us. There's nothing that stops us anymore because this is our dad. This is not slavery. This is not fear. It's not come to God, but you know, you better just not mess up because then you're going to be in trouble. This is running when we see him and jumping into it. His arms. I love how when that scripture says, Abba, Father, it's like Abba, exclamation mark, Father, exclamation mark. And Abba is just this really intimate word for dad or intimate word for, for father. In other words, it's not a formal relationship. It's a genuine intimacy with our father. That's the kind of relationship that we have received with God. This adoption as sons of God, as, as daughters of God, as children of God, and we cry out, Dad! We jump into his arms and we go, hey, Dad, where are you taking us? Like, we're just happy to go wherever you want to take us. Where are you taking us? When we started Anchor Church, when we, when we were the first couple of people together in this community, we were basically jumping into his arms going, okay, Dad, where are we going? Like, will you show us? Just take us where, where you want to take us. We believe that wherever it is, it's good. Wherever it is, it's going to be something magnificent. Wherever it is, it's miraculous. It's, it's, it's worth the journey. And so we trust God in that way. You see, what you believe about God's heart for you will determine how you engage with Him. If you find it difficult to engage with God, to connect with God, to believe these things that you hear on a Sunday morning or that your friends have shared with you or whatever it is, if you find it difficult to buy into what this is all about, what you need is just to understand God's heart. What you need is a greater revelation of how God feels about you and His, His will for your life. Because what you believe about God will determine how you engage with God. When you believe that He's good, when you believe that He loves you, you'll hear His voice and you'll jump at the opportunity to be involved with God's plan for your life. But when we don't know God's heart, when we're not thoroughly convinced of his love for us and his grace and the righteousness that we have, we end up being a little bit skeptical. We end up being a little bit cautious and apprehensive about church and about engaging with God's process for our lives. And, and we, we always tend to kind of reserve our rights and what you normally find, and it's not true in every case, but what you normally find, and I've seen this so many times, is how people that are a little bit skeptical, they're a little bit on the outside, they're not completely convinced about God's heart for them, is that they normally, when they come to church on a Sunday, they sit in the back, and they're just like, I'm anonymous, what's your name? No, it's John, you know, just like, I don't want to be known, I don't want to be seen, I'm, I'm sitting in the back, and then what happens is, as they begin to discover God's heart for them, they slowly migrate. Have you seen people migrate? I love it. It's one of my favorite things about church because they're like, okay, okay, I, this actually, Jesus loves me. Like, I'm the righteousness of God. Okay, I'll go one row forward, you know. I'll move a little bit closer to what God has for me. And, and uh, obviously, the anointing's all up front here. You know, this is where Jesus pours out his spirit. But, but, but over time, you see that the more people begin to trust God's heart for them, they, they move all the way up front 
And it, I'm just using this as an analogy because it's symbolic of how people become more and more willing to be counted on the front lines. To go, hey, I, I don't want to just be anonymously in the back. I don't want to just kind of skirt along the edges of God's plan for my life. Now that I trust his heart, hey, man, what can I do? How can I serve? How can I be involved? Come on, where, where, where can I add value? Where can I connect? Where can I, where can I be Jesus to a city? Where can I serve? Where can I be involved? And you find that this heart, people become awakened, and that's one of the biggest uh, uh, heart that we have for the church. One of the biggest parts of our heart uh, for this city and for this church is that people would be awakened to the calling that God has for them, that they'd understand his heart. That's why every Sunday, no matter whether it's Vision Sunday or Connect Sunday or any other kind of Sunday, we always start off by helping people understand God's heart for them because we know that there's something that, there's a switch that goes on and all of a sudden you'd be like, whoa, God has something for my life? Something more than what I've been living for up until this point? Something more meaningful? Something more, more full of purpose and something that can actually make a difference? Well, I, I, I want this in my life. And so you find that people are a little bit less concerned about reserving their rights and keeping their anonymity. Before you know the gospel, before you know God's heart, you think that God's trying to get something from you, and that's why you're skeptical. But as you discover the gospel, you realize God's actually really trying to get something to you. He's actually really trying to bless you. He's actually really trying to do something expensive and rich and valuable in your life. But before you know that, you're skeptical. It's kind of like, I don't know if this has ever happened to you guys, but for some reason, this happens to me all of the time. When somebody comes up to you in the mall, and they approach you, and they, they normally look like they're a little bit in trouble, and, they, uh, and, and they'll, they'll start off by usually saying, I'm sorry, sir, hello, hello ma'am, um, you know, I, I don't normally do this. Have you ever had that when people come and go, I don't normally do this, but I really need help, and, and I've just got something to ask you, you know, I, I just don't know what to do, please, I don't normally do this, I don't normally, but can you help me, can you just help me with some money, and, and when people start off with their story, I don't know how, some of you may engage with that a little bit, I'm already like, from the moment he's like, I'm sorry, sir, I don't normally do this, I'm like, okay, what are you trying to get from me here? Like, I'm a little bit skeptical about how all of these events took place in one night, you know, and sometimes I'll give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt just to see how good the story is, um, but when people approach you like that, there's a skepticism that kind of sits there, and you're like, what is he trying to get from me? And when people start coming to church, when they start engaging with a community like this, that same kind of skepticism normally is there. Like, oh, are these guys authentic? Do they really believe this? Like, are they, what are they trying to get from me? It feels like they're trying to get something from me. Maybe they just want money, or maybe they just want to, to like build their own thing. Or like, and there's that little bit of skepticism that sits there, and, and that's why people are a little bit cautious about getting engaged. And that's fine. Part of our heart is to see those people understand and be awakened to what this is really all about. But the moment they start to get it, like, whoa, these guys are not in it for any other reason but to help us understand the good news. It's like an awakening that happens. There's a trust that happens. There's an engaging that happens. When you know Jesus, you know that this is not a moral code. You know that this is not just a theoretical religion, but this is a person. Someone that we get to have fellowship and relationship with it with we know his person we we begin to to know his love we begin to know his grace and as we do that every time we hear his voice we run and we jump we go dad where are you taking us where are we going today we jump into his arms the more we know his love and his grace 
So our heart as a church, firstly, is to help people understand the heart of God and the plan that God has for your life, His gospel, His grace, His love. Because we believe that from there on out, your faith and obedience will start to grow. Like the first thing that we preach when you arrive here at Anchor Church is not, you better obey, you better listen, you better make sure that you engage. The first thing that we want you to know is God's heart because we know that as you discover His love and the truth of the gospel, the truth of His grace, you're gonna jump into His arms. You're gonna go wherever He takes you. And if that means being obedient, then we're obedient. If that means being faithful, then we're faithful. If that means being committed, then we're committed. Why? Because we trust our dad. We believe that he is calling us to more. We believe that he has more for us than what we can have for ourselves, that he sees more and that he knows more and that he understands better what it is that he is doing on the inside of us. And, and, and that kind of trust, that kind of commitment is not fair weather. It's not like, hey, we'll, we'll be committed whenever our lives are organized and we feel good about ourselves and we've got everything you know, together. No, but good times and the bad, we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus because we trust in his love. So your motto for life will become, Dad. Like, that's your motto. Like, Dad, yes. What is it that you have for us today? And it becomes this place of trust and purpose and meaning. I love how Robert Capon talks about grace, talks about the gospel. And I got this quote for you. I put it up on the screen. It says, grace is the celebration of life, relentlessly hounding all the non-celebrants in the world. You know, sometimes Christians can be so irritating just because we're always celebrating, just because we've always got something to be happy about. We've always got something to be grateful for. We've always got something to have a, throw a party over. It's relentlessly hounding all the non-celebrants in the world. It is a floating cosmic bash shouting its way through the streets of the universe, flinging the sweetness of its cassations to every window, pounding at every door in a hilarity beyond all liking and happening until the prodigals come out at last and dance and their elder brothers finally take their fingers out of their ears. That's what, this, that's what this community is. We're not just a bunch of dreary people observing religious rites. We are a party. We are a feast. We are a celebration, a community that lives in the good news, that lives by the gospel, that celebrates the goodness of God, that walks by hope in everything that God has prepared for us. And we're celebrating week in and week out until everybody around us begins to take notice. And those prodigals that have walked far away from God and said, I don't want anything to do with my inheritance. I don't anything, want anything to do with God. They finally join the party and begin to dance. And the older self-righteous brothers who thought that they could make it on their own, they take their fingers out of their ears and they're like, I want to hear this. I want to be a part of this. I want to journey along with these guys. And that's what church is. It's this community of celebration. It's this place of involvement. It's this place of joy. And it doesn't mean that we don't suffer hardship or we go through difficult things or we're, we, we're in denial about the reality of what it is living in this world. It simply means that in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our hardship, in the midst of our troubles, we have hope. We have hope that does not disappoint. We have a celebration on the inside of us, a joy that surpasses understanding. And that's what happens when you get to know Jesus. The verse just before this verse, in Romans 8 verse 14, says the following. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. In other words, we've received this, this relationship with God that causes us to cry out, Dad, and jump into His arms. But we know that as our Dad, He also 
leads us because we're his children. Just like you lead your children and I lead my children. I lead them through the difficult things. I lead them through uh, things that are going to be valuable for them, even though they don't always want to do it, even though they don't always understand or agree with me. Our father, our dad, leads us because we need to be led. If we lift to ourselves, all we'll do is strive after our own comforts and our own selfish desires. Like if I lift my kids to themselves for an entire day, all that they would do is eat raw two-minute noodles and watch cartoons. That's all that would happen and destroy the house at the same time. Like that's, if I lift them to themselves, they would never grow. They would never learn. They would never learn that certain things in life are valuable. And so I don't leave them to themselves. The scripture says that God will not leave us as orphans, but we've received the spirit of adoption. And so he gets involved with us. And this is what God is saying to you, because sometimes this is a little bit challenging. It's the grace of God, but it's challenging because he takes us by the hand and sometimes leads us to places we don't feel like we want to go. And then what he says is, just trust me, because I love you. Trust me, because you know my heart for you. Trust me, I'm, I'm going to show you the more that I have for your life. And one of those things that God leads us into is community. It's community. It's not being anonymous. And we are in a world that, that is committed to privacy and anonymity and just we just want to kind of have our own kind of little private section of the complex and that's where we live our lives out and we'll go to work and we'll go home. But we are not really good at community in this day and age. We've actually found substitutes for genuine community like social media and other things that, that, that just almost betray the desire that we truly have in our hearts. It reveals the fact that we want to be connected desperately, but we're not always committed enough to walk in what it takes to be a part of a community. I spoke about this a little bit last week when I said that our generation is desperate for community, but also desperately lacking in commitment. And unfortunately, Community is one thing that you cannot have without commitment. Like if I told my wife, I love you and I love this family, but, you know, I'll see you next Thursday. Like, you know, that just cannot work. If I love my family and if I want to remain a family with them, I need to go home every night. There's a commitment that I make to actually be present, to actually be involved. And so when God calls us to community, whether it's church, whether it's friendship, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a marriage, it involves being present, being involved being available, it involves commitment. If you really want to get the most out of what God has for you, then you need to be committed to a community that's going to start to bring and unlock those things out, a community that will stir up the gift of God on the inside of you. And so this is just one of those areas where God says, I want you to trust me. You might not feel like doing this. You might not uh, have done this before, but I want you to trust me because it's going to be so worth it. I want you to know that whether you realize it or not, when you put your faith in Jesus, you are instantly a part of this family. Like we're a local family, we're a local community, but we are a part of the body of Christ. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, then you're a part of the church. The question really just is, is whether you will obey God and, 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 and follow God's guidance and leading to walking out the things that God has for you within his church, whether you'll engage with his process for your life, but you have a home. That's why we have that banner up there that says, this is home. 
That's not for clever marketing. That We actually believe that. We want people to know that when you have faith in Christ and you arrive here, this is home. And these people sitting next to you are your family. And we love and we care and we support each other. We're imperfect. We don't do it perfectly. But we do it by the grace of God. And we believe in being a community and a family that walks together and that serves God together. We're no longer orphans. We're no longer outsiders. We have a calling that we can only fulfill together. And so when Jesus prayed for the church, he said, God, let them be of one heart, one mind. Let them be one as you and I are one as Jesus was praying. God wants us to have unity and a singular vision for our purpose together in this place. And that's not always what we find in the church these days. We find people being very kind of, I'll go if I feel like it. I'll show up if I feel like it. But this is where God says, just take my hand and just let me lead you into something deeper because it's going to bless you in a way far greater than what you could have imagined. The simple truth is that we're better together. We're stronger together. Community is God's design. He is a community himself as the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He, he exists within community and he created us for community. It's not something that we can escape. We're made to fit in together. And so when we step up and we, and we allow God to lead us, it fulfills one of the deepest, most inherent longings of our soul. The longing to be known. The longing to make a difference. The, 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 the longing to matter or to belong. Like that's what community does for our lives. It fulfills us in that way. And God goes, I have that for you, so trust me. And God has this perspective. So Hebrews 10 verse 24, and I'm going to finish on this this morning. Hebrews 10 verse 24 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another. So I love the fact that that sounds like such a practical process. Like, let me go and sit down with a notepad and a pen and think about how I can stir other people up. Think about how I can actually encourage them and, and, and help them to be more awakened to the plan of God for their lives and to the purposes of God for their lives. Let's consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Don't neglect meeting together. Why? Because it unlocks something in the inside of you. Just think about this. There is stuff that God has put on the inside of you that will not be unlocked until you engage in genuine community. There is stuff that God has for your life that you will not experience until you begin to walk in genuine relationship with others. And I want everything that God has for my life. I want genuine community. And so he says that when we gather together, we're able to stir it up. And he mentions a few things. The first thing he says that we can stir up is love. When we're together and we begin to hear other people's stories. It's so easy to be focused on ourselves, but when you sit with somebody else and you think, man, I've had the worst day ever and, and I've been going through all these things and it's all about me, 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 and then you sit down and you hear about something that some other people are going through. You hear about um, how, how other people are struggling or what's happening in their lives. All of a sudden, you begin to shift your focus a little bit from you to them and you go, wow, I suppose other people do exist and they, you know, they do go through, through things themselves and, and it begins to awaken a care for those around you as we meet together. We begin to see others the way that God sees them. I guarantee you that 
when you're sitting at home watching Suits, this is not the case. <laughs> you don't necessarily stir up a love for others while you're watching Suits because I don't know why, but in Suits, they always are so mean to each other. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but whenever I watch that show, I'm like, how could people live like this? You know, they're just always fighting. And uh, so you, when you're sitting at home by yourself, just watch, watching series or just involved with your own process, I promise you now, it's not going to unlock a heart for others. It's not going to stir you up to believe in the love that God has for you. And so when we come together, it stirs up our love. And that's exactly what our connect groups do. In all my years of, uh, of, of going to connect group, I've never left a group being discouraged. I've always walked out and felt, wow, God has this love for me and, and I've got this love for him and I, I'm able to love others and I'm able to walk in that love. So we stir up love when we gather. We also stir up or are able to be stirred up in good works. It's important to understand that we don't do good works in order to be accepted by God, but we do good works because we've already been accepted by God. Does that make sense? Like we live because God loves us, not so that God will love us. We do good things because it's who we are. It's because of what we get to do, not because it's something that we have to do. And so when we gather, gather together, we know that we're accepted by God and we receive this heart to honor Him and to do the things that really matter in life. And once again, in connect groups, this is what happens. When you leave a connect group, you feel, I want to do more. I want to be more involved. I want to serve more. I want to help more. I want to love more. I want to, where can I get involved? Where can I make a difference? It develops an excitement about making a difference in this world. And the third thing it says, gather together and encourage one another. Encourage one another. And I thought about this word the other day. In fact, I was writing an email um, to a couple, of our ch a couple in our church that have really stepped up to, to serve, and they've been serving in such an amazing way. And as I was writing this email, I thought, um, I, I wrote down, I said, I'm so encouraged by the way that you've taken this role on. But what I really wanted to say, and what was really in my heart, and, I, and, I, and then that's what led me to this understanding of this word, encouraged, is that I feel so much stronger because they're with me. And then I realized what the word encouraged means, it means to speak courage into someone. Like I am more courageous because you're with me. And as we lead church, you know, when people put their hand up and they say, we want to walk with you, Adrian. We want to walk with you as a team. We want, to, we want to do this together. There's a courage that rises up in your heart. In high school, if you went into a fight and you went into it alone, I never fought in high school. I'm just saying I saw this happen. And you walked into it alone, you're like, hey guys, I really, I just, I don't want to fight, you know. But you, when you've got like five of your best friends with you, you're like, what's the, what's the problem here? What's the problem here? Because <laughs> having people by your side puts courage in your heart. And so the scripture says, don't stay home. Don't neglect the meeting together. Don't walk away from community because it's going to put courage in your heart. It's going to help you to face the stuff that you have to face every day. It's going to help you to go through that difficult situation. It's going to help you to pursue the plan of God for your life. It's going to help you to be the husband that you long to be and the mom that you long to be and the, and the friend that you long to be. It's going to help you by putting courage in your heart. So don't walk away from community. Don't neglect community. But come together and encourage one another. Stir up courage. Point each other to Jesus. There are many times when I'm discouraged and I need a friend to just sit alongside me and go, I just want to remind you 
Jesus is with you. His love is for you. And I'm like, I know that, but I need to hear it right now again. I need somebody to say it to me. Hey, I just want to let you know that God is going to work this all out. Like, yeah, obviously. And all of a sudden, I'm encouraged and inspired to keep walking on the journey. So finally, when Paul writes to Timothy, he says in 2 Timothy 1 verse 67, he says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. It's already in you by the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us, again, he says, the spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You see, he says it twice. He says, God is going to lead you in Romans 8.14 because you haven't received a spirit of fear, but a spirit of adoption by which you cry out, Abba, Father. And now he says again, you can stir up what God has called you to. You can stir up the gift of God on the inside of you. You know why? Because you don't need to be afraid. You can trust that God has given you a spirit of love and power and self-control. So there's no fear here. We can stir up the gift of God within us. And I believe that God wants us to stir up that gift alongside each other in our connect groups, in our community, on a Sunday morning, with our friends, in our conversations. We're being stirred up in our faith. And the Greek word there really means to fan into flame. It means to, 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 to cause a little light. If you've ever made a fire uh, without fire lighters uh, and you've had to kind of actually use a little bit of kindling, it just that you see that little spark and then you have to fan it into flame. And the more that wind blows on it, the more that you get that effort put into it, the more that little flame begins to develop and it, and it begins to grow and it begins to, to catch fire. And when you put all those coals on the fire, if you took one of those coals and, and just put it by itself on the outside, it'll stop burning. By itself, that coal will die. But when you have those coals heaped together on one pile, they generate heat from each other and the entire group of coals together, the entire lump of coal begins to burn. And that's what community does for us. It stirs up the gift of God within us so that we can keep this fire of God's calling on our, li our lives alive. This is the kind of community that we want to be. We want to be the kind of community that is rooted and established in the love of God for us and the grace of God for us but also a community that is eager to make a difference, a community that is eager to, to be a part of God's plan for our lives. And we want to put courage into the heart of others. John Stott says this. He says, The community of the cross is a community of celebration, a Eucharistic community ceaseless, ceaselessly offering to God through Christ the sacrifice of our praise and thanksgiving. The Christian life is an unending festival. And the festival we keep, now that our Passover lamb has been sacrificed for us, is a joyful celebration of his sacrifice together with a spiritual feasting upon it. That's what this community is. It's an unending festival. It's a feast. It's a celebration. And we celebrate what God has done for us and we feast on his finished work on the cross. That's what we do. That's where the hope and the love and the good works and the courage all comes from. So we believe that God has called us to community. We want to encourage you to engage in our connect groups and in our community because it's going to unlock the gift of God on the inside of you. 
And so we're going to give you that opportunity today. This is our Connect Sunday, and what we do, how we run our Connect groups, is that we have three Connect group semesters every year. These semesters run for eight weeks at a time. So starting from today, for the next eight weeks, our community groups and our connect groups are running. And it's an opportunity that you have to engage. And you can engage. There's groups that run at different times. There's groups that run at, um, at different, in different areas and according to different age groups and topics. So you can find the group that is really relevant to your life right now. But we want to encourage you to engage um, with God and with one another um, on that journey as we take on this connect group um, semester, the first one that we have.